All right, Marky, episode 14. We got an interesting guy in the house. We're on location here. Kevin Cox, welcome to License to Talk. Kevin is an actor in the new movie Coldbrook. Welcome, Kevin. Hello. Hi. Kevin. Mark. Jim. I got a small role, but there are no small parts. And those that aren't familiar with Coldbrook, Coldbrook is a movie that was filmed in Buffalo. Tell us a little about how that went on. Well, uh, Bill Fickner, who's been in uh, literally dozens of movies, he's on Mom now. He's in four movies this year. One I just saw last night called Traffic, about the trafficking of women for sex in the world. He plays a publisher in a newspaper. He never even mentioned it to me, but he's a, you know, he's a working guy, but he's from Buffalo and he always wanted to come here and make a movie. So over the years, we've always talked about it. I knew him in New York and we didn't know we were both from Buffalo until he was in a play once and went to the party afterwards. A friend of mine directed it and we, we, I think we had a little bit of a dispute. I don't know what it was. And the director came over, our friend Sal Trapani kind of a famous dude too he came over and goes you know you're both from buffalo and we went oh dude and we, you know hugged you know that was it <laughs> so we were friends forever <laughs> and uh he talked about this movie it came a couple years ago showed me the script i read it i didn't really get it and i told him that and i didn't get it because i read it like it was a novel like it was a story and not a script i just forgot because it read so well so I said, there was parts of it I didn't get, Bill. And he goes, oh, well, you will. So, um, you know, a year later, he comes to Buffalo. He's got a casting director from Buffalo, uh, Frank um, Rossi, who does casting, acting, teaching here. Got a bunch of people in Buffalo. He called me up. You want to be in it? I said, sure. I'll, you know, I'll try it. Um, I have done 200 TV voice commercials. But on film, I've been in three little films. So I'm not much of an actor, you but they like my voice. voice. I was the voice of HBO Boxing for a year and a half. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Lennox Lewis is the king of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of shit. That's yeah. amazing. So, I and love they paid boxing. you a fortune. I'm a huge boxing fan. How do you oh, feel yeah. about the oh, end of that it. era? That just ended the other night, the last broadcast <laughs> of uh, HBO Boxing. Um, You know, I, I don't want to criticize them, but they, they ran it into the ground in some ways. They were terrible at marketing it. I did a lot of Oscar De La Hoya voiceovers, and you get $600 for lunch. And I was running a magazine at the time called Content. It was a media uh, magazine about culture and media that was failing all the time because there was no pictures. It was, all, it was too dense. But they hired me, and they gave me a lot of money. So I'd go over at lunch and do these boxing commercials, but they were pushing Oscar because he was handsome. And they got millions of women viewers for his fights. But they didn't educate the women about boxing. You know, feet, hands, you know, the dance. Mm -hmm. So as soon as he went away, boom, they're gone. So I just thought, I saw it was wrong then. And, but, you know, it was a blast because I got comped at some of the fights. My brother Christopher lives in Hamburg. He came to a couple of the fights in the garden. And they actually had my voice booming in the garden, which was cool. <laughs> the Lennox Lewis one. Lennox Lewis is the king of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Always my favorite. <laughs> but I should get this check. That's, uh, that's you great. know, it's lunch. You're at the biggest sporting event in the world. You know, 
most nights. Well, he fought that big guy, uh, that big college. He was he, he was a young guy who had like twelve fights. They called it um, twelve feet of manhood or something because they were <laughs> both they were both six ten or something like that. Michael, somebody, but he was a chump. Right, he, he he wasn't ready, yeah. and I thought they're oh, selling the fight. So Lennox just beat the shit out of him. I mean, <laughs> slowly, you know how Lennox would just pound you with that jab, and oh my god, that gotta hurt. Lampley had a good uh, sign off for HBO boxing. Oh, I didn't. Re- see oh yeah, it was very good. What did very he say? Good. Oh he, oh, he, he, was, was there a show? Yeah. Well, he, I don't like Lampley. No, why not? I thought he was a crappy announcer. Really? Because yeah. we used to watch the fights making the commercials and slow him down. Yeah. For the next fight. So you could put a punch in. Right. And he's always going, there's a left, and it was a right. (laughs) (laughs) Is this guy watching it in the mirror? So what did he do? Just stayed handsome or something? I don't know. I don't know. The HBO was a weird organization. Good agent? You'd go in to do these boxing spots, and they were were very uh, uh, much a formula. So you'd go in, and you'd do the Lennox Lewis is the king of the ring, but his opponent, Michael Powers, <laughs> wants the belt. You know. And then you'd do three things, and then end it. You know, HBO, blah, 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 you know, the, 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 you yeah, know, the boiler plate. And uh, every time you'd go in, they'd go, well, we're not going to use that formula. We're going to go with something else. So I'd write them new scripts. i go, let's try this. This will be cool. And they'd try it, and they go, you know, we're going to go back to the same old shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was just amazing. It was bureaucracy, really. So you can see why. Nobody it- wanted to take a chance because you get fired. Yeah. Well, and everybody was making money. Larry Merchant took a chance being shit-faced at every fight, though. <laughs> he's another weird one. <laughs> yeah. he, he pretends he's somebody. Yeah. <laughs> You never know where he is either. He's he's like a big kid. We went down to Roy Jones Jr. lived in the panhandle of Florida, and he has fighting dogs and fighting cocks. You know, he claimed that he learned from fighting cocks out of box. Mm -hmm. And we went down there, and they let me go. Sometimes I went on these shoots. And so I went down, because I was dating one of the girls, too, eventually. (laughs) But um, Got it in. Yeah. And we went down there. It was a pretty crazy place. Dogs barking, chickens cack. You couldn't um, interview them because of the noise. We had to go somewhere else. But here's the interesting part. Hurricane something or other came through the panhandle about a year later. And I said to somebody at HBO, I was there, and I said, I wonder what happened to uh, Roy Jones Jr.'s, uh, you know, his dogs and shit. And they said, oh, well, what happened was the dogs got out. And they found him dead on a trail. They kept biting and fighting each other during the storm. Wow. No, no, not the dogs. I got it wrong. The chickens <laughs> pecked each other. There was pecking each other to death. The dogs kind of hung out. So they got a lot of them like, back. The they packed, packed, they packed but the up. chickens fought through the jungle or whatever, you know, oh while God. the hurricane's blowing. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> you know. <laughs> So they found all these dead chickens and blood and crap, you know, you know for miles, a trail. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. That That's a weird uh, life, the boxing world with King and Stunny interactions oh. with King. No, I, I met him a couple. I don't like that guy. No. I, I just can't believe he just takes advantage of people for 40 years. Still. <laughs> Even Ali. Yeah. And I then Tyson, know. he took him for, what, $30 million? Wow. What does he do? I think Aram's not a bad guy. Yeah. He was there the other... No, uh, there's this new guy. Who's the new lightweight? Kermansky? You know this guy? No. Oh, he's awesome. 
They really? had his best fights on the other night. And I think Bob Arum, who's still alive, is yeah. his guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's got to be 85. But the new guy, Kermansky, uh, I think he's uh, Chechen or Russian. He just Man. destroys people. <laughs> just comes forward. Oh, that's he's the new, that's... Oh, yeah, they hit him and he, okay. Like how Tyson was. <laughs> yeah. I saw Tyson fight up in um, uh, Kingston. I think it was his 12th fight or something like that. I forget. We we, animal? we knew people in Kingston and it was a boxing. We went out. Kind you of had heard to have known it. right away. I knew right away, but yeah. the other three guys, yeah, he's too little. I said, no. Yeah, he came out. I was afraid of him. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Yeah. You know, towel around his neck. Yeah. yeah. And really mad. And good at robbing people. And, you know, <laughs> I saw three or four of his fights where he punched the guy in the arm when it started. He'd miss. And in the arm, the guy would go, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I quit. <laughs> Train him like a dog. But I watched the Buster Douglas fight the other night. Yeah, yeah. I I, I forgot that Douglas took it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Beat the shit out of him. Yeah. I mean, maybe he wasn't ready, but, you know. My and the, th- co- the corner wasn't prepared at all for Tyson. Well, you they know, were- once Tyson lost, what's his name? Uh, the old guy. Cuz D'Amato. Yes. He regressed. Right. You know, they were teaching him slowly because I don't think he's the sharpest knife in the drawer. But every well, fight, he'd away, have a new, a new thing, a new combination. And then when Cus got out of the picture, he kind of went backwards, and he just he was just slugging. And yeah, I'm sorry, these Getting other guys slow. are big and strong too. They're going to get you. Yeah, he wasn't going to listen to anybody else either. No, you know, the guy I saw broke. him in a bar once. I didn't, I didn't talk to him. I was afraid he'd hit me. Yeah, he just, <laughs> which is cool if you're a boxer. <laughs> yeah, you want some fear. So are you? Uh, you grew up in this neighborhood, or where'd you grow up? I was born on uh, in South Buffalo off South Park. Ended up moving to Lackawanna and Ridgewood Village, and then West Seneca when I was about 10. How do you get wrapped up in the show business then? How's, how's well, when I moved happening? to New York, I had a lot of actor friends. What drove you to move to New York? And I, I The Circle Rep, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's a theater troupe that started in 1968. Jeff Daniels, Gina Davis, oh, wow. um, all kinds of people came out of it. Billy Fickner was in it. Uh, my friend Sal Trapani kind of ran it. He's a professor of theater now in Connecticut and a professional fisherman. Wow. Yeah, he's a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Billy's kind of mentor. He directed him in a few plays. Really? Fickner. So, uh, you know, I got involved with those guys. And I like theater. I like culture. I like movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I helped them build sets, and then they found out, you know, keep tools away from me. <laughs> so, you know, I tried to get in there. What's your favorite movie, Kev? Oh, I can't say. You can't yeah. say it? <laughs> Uh, I got too many. Coldbrook. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, Mark, Mark Coldbrook. <laughs> you know, I'm a godfather guy. Yeah. You, know, you guys are looking for distribution now. Also starring uh, Kim Coates and our old friend, Louis Mastillo. Yeah. He was on the program. He's an alumni. Oh, he, he was on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Louis cool. I, I, I never really met him until recently. Oh, he's great, isn't you he? You know, Billy uh, put this movie together. They shot it in 21 days, something like that. That's amazing. I mean, he's a tight, organized guy, and he's real smart. And he went to school in Cortland. So a lot of the movies shot in Cortland at this farm because he wanted to give back to Cortland. He's, he's all about giving back. He's, he's a good dude, and he wanted to do something for Buffalo. That's so That's cool. That's great. And, you know, the mayor loves – he calls <laughs> Bill the, uh, the greatest character actor of all time. Said, really? Wow. So I said, Bill, that, that's a little much. I mean, top ten. <laughs> I mean – The greatest. I mean, if you're, if you're going to think about it, though, if you're going to do – he might be in the top ten. 
Oh, he because he, he goes from like this little role in Batman, oh, and then he's like he gets killed in ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's like the, the like big time in Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. And then he's in Go, which I think he's great. I think that's one of his best I, movies. It's my favorite movie. Is it really Prison yeah. Break? I like Prison Break. Funny. He Prison Break. Unbelievable. He's, he's also cool great character. in The Perfect Storm, where he plays that bad guy that he's always yeah. cast as the prick. Yeah. <laughs> but go, I have just got a divorce, and I moved back to Manhattan. And I was sitting there with hundreds of boxes, pretty despondent. Yeah. And Bill heard about it, and he called me up. This is the kind of guy he is. He's a good friend. You know, he's a good fr- friend to anybody that's his friend. He gets your back. He says, hey, hey, what are you doing, sitting around? I said, yeah, I'm sitting around, sitting around in my underwear. He goes, <laughs> I got to premiere this new movie. I'm in Go. It's at the Seagram Tower in, in Manhattan on Fifth Avenue or something. I want you there. There's a ticket at the door for you. He said, but dress. Don't wear your underwear, you know. <laughs> so I showed up. He wasn't even there. So I went in, and everybody had their own little rocking chairs with bottles of champagne. Fancy. Service. And then the movie came on, and I'm laughing. You know, when he does the naked thing with the, oh, yeah. hey, smell the cologne. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I walked out of there thinking, uh, life is good. Why am I so down? <laughs> you know? and, and I don't even like remakes. And then the, the remake of The Longest Yard comes out, and I thought he did a good job. Oh, he's I, great as that And guy. that's what I mean. It, it, he probably could be top ten character actor i mean there's maybe now I mean, not rounding mona he kills bet midler nobody yeah. saw that one yeah oh yeah, yeah. but i've seen I've him seen on that. stage and he's good on stage really he was in a well the famous play raft of medusa it's an aids counseling class and he plays like a christopher reeve actor in the play that comes in and says i have aids but he really doesn't he's he's got a role Okay. So, and then there's a turn at the end where, yeah, he's lying about the role. He actually does have AIDS. And it's intense. I mean, there's people crying and fighting. And it's like, it's it, I, the play, it was just uh, unbelievable. And it kind of failed. And really? I think it failed because at the time, everybody thought, well, every gay guy in Manhattan's going to go to this play. Well, they didn't go because they were in it. Oh. oh, yeah. Their friends were dying. I lived oh, in the village okay. with my wife then. Two guys in my apartment building, three stories, died. And so I think it was too much for them. It was right. too soon. Because then it opened in L.A. two years later, and it was a big hit. So, you know. But Billy was good in that. Oh, man. As the lying actor, you know, foam self shithead, you know. So then he makes Cold Brook, puts me in it. Then he paid me. I thought it was going to be free. He gave me a SAG rate for three days, which is, you know, well, that's a couple good. grand. That was yeah. a nice trailer that did my eyebrows. And <laughs> I also had cancer at the time. And I wow. told him, I'm going through radiation, and I don't know if I can be there for you, so I don't want to screw it up. So don't hire me. He goes, don't worry. We'll work around you. It's just a couple of lines, because that's all I got is two lines. So... He worked around me, but the thing is, I'm sweating because of the radiation all the time. Yeah. So I'm the scientist in this movie, so when they put me in a costume, I'm in a corduroy jacket, cotton gloves, and I walk into the History Museum, they got the lights on, and it's real hot, and I'm getting ready for my scene. The whole cast runs in at the end of the movie, and i got to turn around and say something. And That's how oh, the movie ends? You end the movie? Uh, well, I end the big movie, but there's a 
a little part to it. Okay, there's okay. a little uh, thing. I don't want to give that away. Right, it's, it's about love and relationships. The and thing that you didn't understand when you read the exactly. Script. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it because he doesn't say it. It wasn't visual. It was visual. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I told him later because at Woodstock he won an award and he took. We had a big farmhouse and Louis was there. I was there. You know, Kim Coates and we're all drinking wine. He goes, I want to talk to you. So we went out in the night. You know, it was a cool day. <laughs> the wind's blowing. He goes. So what do you think? What, what, what was wrong? I said, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I read it like a novel. I didn't see that you were going to show the faces and the, you know, the movement. Right. I said it was brilliant. And I just, I got so into the script, I forgot it was a movie. Right. That's amazing. So, you know. Look for that. Everybody in Buffalo's got to, it's going to be like a thing. You got to go see Colebrook, right? Well, he I mean, we got to support this guy. He talks us yeah, up everywhere he goes. The, truth, I, the second time I saw it, I thought, you know, the first time I saw it, I was dissecting it a lot. Mm. And I liked it. But this time, I, I was comfortable. I wasn't thinking about anything. It was just, this is a movie. It was great. You know, it's just a sweet movie, really well done. Well, and even the Woodstock Film Festival thought so. Great and reviews. Napa. Yeah, what did they, they got an award, didn't they, Chef? Yeah, they gave him the Carpe Diem Andretta Award, um, yes. which goes to the film that best represents living life to the fullest. Living so, life uh, to the fullest. So go yeah. see the film. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that'll make you And check Napa, that out. he won uh, Best Ensemble Cast. Which is Whoa, kind of that is you know, cool. Yeah, I think you're I part won of that. Yeah, yeah, you're part I mean, of that. Because my line is, um, "I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but the artifact in question is not in the box." Oh, yeah, I tie the whole thing together. <laughs> it kind of looked like an archaeologist. But when I did the line, I turned around and my hormone sweat started from the cancer treatment. I'm fine now. And oh, so it looked like a hose was on my face because of the heat and the gloves yeah. and, the, and the. So when I turned around, the whole cast went, "Oh." What's wrong with him? Yeah. Holy shit. And Billy stopped everything, so I made a little speech, what was going on, and they put some fans on me and dabbed me, these young, pretty girls, you know, the assistant. Yeah. They were dabbing me. So do you, would you say that... I said, keep dabbing. <laughs> <laughs> would you say that uh, he paved the way for movies to be made here? Like, was he no, working I mean, any kinks out, or is, or is Buffalo prime to be made? For, oh, it's prime. Yeah. There's a lot of... You know, the Niagara Film Commission... They're, they're they're ready to go now, and I think he has gotten them. We're gonna be talking um, to a guy from there. Did Who? like Rich, Tim? I don't know. Yeah, I I Tim's the, Tim's I couldn't go the on. A, it's in the phone somewhere. Yeah. But I, you know, I think working with Bill, I think he got them a little more on the. Yeah, that's what I meant. Ball. Yeah. Just tightened them up because you, yeah. you're gonna run his snafus. But you said he was really together. He had his. Oh, he, you know, he's, you know, every shot, you know, and he shot me from 10 angles and you know, yeah, unfortunately we were... the back shot of me, I got, you know, I got to do something about the weight. I thought, <laughs> hey, wait, is there a cow in the picture <laughs> <laughs> with glasses on? <laughs> That's great. So anyway, that was that. So now I got a movie that starts here in South Buffalo and it's about terrorism. Really? Yeah, and I kind of gave him a treatment about four years ago, and I also gave it to a friend of mine that I want him to be in it. You know, this is all pie-in-the-sky stuff, but his name is Billy Smitrovich, and he and Billy and I have known each other for 30-some years. He's another guy, if you Google him, you go, oh, him. Really? He's been in Air Force One, uh, Independence Day. Uh, he had a famous TV show called Life Goes On back in the 80s. He was the father. Yes. Yeah, I know that guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and the, one of the uh, kids in the family had Down syndrome, 
yeah. and was an actor who had Down syndrome, right. so it was kind of groundbreaking. And Patty Lapone was his wife, and that was that ran for six, seven years. So Bill's a good friend, and I I see him in this movie. So if I could get them both, I don't know. He just made a movie with Pierce Brosnan, uh, November Man. Did you see that? Oh, yeah, I've so, seen that. Yeah, it was pretty good. Bill's the bald guy. That's the bad guy. Right. Yeah. Coat. He's yeah. another character guy. Oh, he's in everything. Yeah, you're all a lot of characters, come. <laughs> he's played a general in probably 20 movies. He's always the guy with yeah. the cigar in the White House that goes, we got to nuke him. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's his only line in 10 years. No. So uh, writing a script uh, for a movie, it, did it teach you a little bit re- reading a lot of other scripts and stuff? Did yeah. you write your own? Yeah, I read a lot. I've read a lot of them anyway. Mm-hmm. And I've read little scripts for the commercials. I, How do you start writing a script, Kevin? Well, I had the idea about a terrorist, an American terrorist. I don't want to say too much. And I got he starts in a bar somewhere on Seneca Street. Could be here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it was a good idea, and I started it because I went to a party when I was thinking of it way out in the farmlands here. And it was a bunch of uh, guys that I don't agree with politically – but we're friends, but they're pretty harsh guys. And I, we got to talking about war and, you know, and they're all into this, it's a religious war thing and all that stuff. And I thought, ooh, I like this. You know, this is, so I, so I put the scene there on this farm. And, you know, it, it just slowly rolled out. Everywhere I went, I went, oh yeah, here we go. But the ending, I, yeah. I gave the ending to my friend Smitrovich and he loves it. I have a good ending. Dual terrorist on a bus. <laughs> but other people didn't like it, so I wrote three endings. And I said, I, I don't really care. I'd, I'd like mm-hmm. to be paid. Yeah, right. <laughs> you put the work in. And I'd like years. to see somebody make it just to see it. Now, yeah. Mark, when I, I met Kevin Cox years ago playing golf at Casanova, right? Casanova Golf Course. And Kevin has this thing where I, I've, I've probably met you four or five times. He's always got a notepad in I don't know. Is he oh, got it right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. My reporter's notepad. Yeah. yeah. So he's constantly see. That's my notes from last night. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, my idea was before this podcast, I was going to do a one man show about Western New York Buffalo. And he goes, "That's a great idea." We played. I ended up knowing his father, he who was a great uh, golfer at Cas- president of Cas president of Cas men's club, and uh, and we 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 ran. Into each other over the years, and then I ran into him a couple months ago, and I said, "Hey, never at the gym, Jim. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> the gin mill." <laughs> but I, uh, and, and I've always been fat. What are you up to? What are you doing? And he always says, "I'm always writing. I'm, all, yeah. I'm always writing. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, you're always writing." Something. So is that like a? I mean, you're an artist. So is it, is it just like inspiration? Is you just trying to get inspiration? I, I have stories in my head all the time. I mean. I've been around, you know, I worked at the New York Times 15 years, and that's, that is thousands of stories. You know, every president comes to the New York Times a couple sure. times a year, and each entourage gets bigger. You yeah. know, Reagan came, they, they had to close the whole block because the cars were a block long. But it's also because of threat. I mean, when Clinton right. came, they had like 20 guys on the roof across the New York Times with their rifles pointed at us. You know, where, who, what, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bush came and Barbara Bush held up the whole city to get a bagel. And it was funny. It, you know, it was kind of funny. I'm waiting <laughs> to get into work. And the secret said, no, you can't. And she 
walked across the street to Al's Deli, came out with a little bag. She goes, <laughs> and she, look, I'm sorry I'm making you late, but I wanted to buy a New York Deli. I wanted to buy a bagel in a New York Deli. You can't argue with that. And we all clapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she went back in. Oh, that's kind of a cool moment. Now, there's a story. You could make a movie out of that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. She falls in love with Al. The <laughs> George has him killed. What were you doing when you were working in Washington? I didn't work in Washington. It was part of my territory. For what? For the New York Times. Mm. They put me into a help wanted category, uh, which was big money. And so I'd have to go there once a month. And the CIA was a big advertiser in the New York Times because they want Ivy League guys to come and be spies, basically. So I got to go to the CIA, which is a trip in itself. They fingerprint you. Who's your grandfather? It's, you know, crazy. First time I went there, they got, I had to meet the director of recruitment. So he goes, he's upstairs on the second floor. I said, well, okay, what, what office? They go, uh, you'll find it. So I go up, and there's all these doors, and they're all shut, and there's no numbers on them. <laughs> and this door opens, this big guy goes, hey! I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this must be the dude. <laughs> Seems like a big, huge part of the story we're missing. Where, like, how, where, how are you getting there? Yeah. How well, I-, I, I went to New York, got married in Fredonia, and I uh, met my wife and went to moved to New York immediately in 1978. Oh, that's a that's a weird time to be in New York, yeah, man. Yeah, it was a little different then. We were yeah. on West 54th Street, which is now it's prime, but back oh, yeah. then uh, 53rd was the hookers. <laughs> so uh, she went to school to be a teacher. I was working in offices, you know, trying to find something. And uh, we were kind of broke. And then I fell off a building. I don't want to get into that. And I broke my jaw. I shattered my chin and I broke this hinge. Wow. Yeah, it hurt. (laughs) And uh, they wired my jaw shut and we moved to Vermont because we had friends up there. And I worked in a newspaper. I became a writer and selling advertising. So my wife got a job a year later back at school. She always dreamed of working in this children's school. And I went and interviewed at the New York Times in a cattle call, 800 people. Oh. Took a train from New York, and I walk in, and, you know, it's all these New York guys with these $1,000 suits, and I got a quarter or a $50 suit on. And I thought, hmm. So I went to a bar, and I had a beer. It was 8 in the morning. I thought, oh, fuck it. <laughs> and my friend came over uh, who lived there and wanted me to move back. And he said, Wait, you're here. I mean, just go in. Just, you know, what can yeah, you lose? Right. So I went in, and I hired four people out of those 800, and it was me. Wow. Yeah. Hustle, Marky. Yeah, always getting hustled. So it was cool. And then, uh, you know, I was the food guy, which is the greatest job I've ever had. There was no, uh, I shouldn't say this, there was really no work. The food guy? What did you do? Food advertising. Oh, okay. So I flew around the country with the writers and editors in the food department, and we went to food shows. How cool is that? And I said to my boss, well, what do I do? These people are just starting their companies. They're not going to advertise in New York Times. It's too expensive. Right. And you can't place a product in New York. You place it in Kansas City, Cleveland, or Buffalo. Sure. That's where you try it. So he said, just find people you like and take them to dinner. So, (laughs) sure. So we did that. (laughs) All year, I went to gourmet food shows. And I felt guilty. You know, I felt like I was stealing. Who are you rubbing elbows with at that time? All the chefs. Yeah. Mario yeah. Batali. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? That idiot. Uh, I shouldn't say. Emeril. <laughs> I never met Emeril. Uh, Mario. Uh, uh, Lydia Bastanovich. Oh, yeah, yeah. She actually wrote for me. 
I created the Italian Food Guide in the New York Times Magazine. It runs every May. Make about a million dollars a year on that thing. And I, I was in her restaurant planning it with a couple of people, and we needed a writer because we're in advertising. We can't hire writers from the Times. They have that wall between us. Yeah. So she came over, Lydia. Her name was Lydia's restaurant, Felidia's. She came over. She goes, I write. So we gave her 15 grand. She's like, brilliant. <laughs> and, <laughs> and here's how smart she was. That Christmas, she would come into the building. She's this nice little old lady, but she's smart. Oh, yeah. She's playing She the knows role. the New York Times is going to be good for her. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I walked in one day in the lobby. There's um, these beautiful baskets of food stuff. And I said to Burge, our male guy, <laughs> he said, one of them's for you. I, w- I went over and I went, oh, it's from, it's from Lydia. And it was to the publisher, the head of the food department. You know, everybody that was important got a basket. And after that, when you're writing a story, travel, even cry, anything to do with Italy, they need a quote. Yeah. Call Lydia. So Lydia of Lydia's Restaurant oh. says... Lydia, oh. constant. So that's how that started. Huh? And it was like, I thought, what a genius she is. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, her son Joe and Mario, they, they, they've got, I don't know, 12 restaurants now. And that Italy, mm-hmm. you know, that joint, they own that. She's a uh, juggernaut. Sorry, I was in trouble, though. But Yeah, uh, he's in a little bit of trouble. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Who is it in trouble these well, days? Well, he got in trouble years ago by taking money from his employees. He was stealing from them? He was taking off the top waitresses oh, yeah. and stuff. They had to pay a fine. I thought, why? Probably big tips coming in that place. But why? Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean. I, you know, they probably just saw a way to get their money. So I, I used to hang out with him when he first had a restaurant called Poe on Cornelia Street in the village. And if you went in late, you'd go back in the kitchen with him. And, you know, you'd, there'd be eight of us, maybe, and you'd drink 30 <laughs> bottles of wine. Shit. It was just endless. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. And that's dangerous bringing a South Buffalo boy into that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 I, he was hard to keep up with. I bet. I think he, he, he always had powder on his nose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. So how do you get out of that? Uh, it, it, the writing into acting or into... Well, I was always writing in Vermont. I was always writing. I wrote always? in college. Okay. But, and I, I tried to be an editor at the Times, and I actually got in trouble. Uh, they threatened, not threatened me, but they called me in and said, what are you doing? You can't do that. I said, well, that's kind of my plan was to get my foot in the door and move over. Mm-hmm. What were you said, doing? Well, I was in advertising. Okay. So I had a shot at being an, an editor in sports. It was called a 7T. It was like a trainee program. And it was the same kind of pay, maybe a little less, but I thought, this is my shot. Well, they called me in. I said, first of all, your plan is so stupid. The <laughs> last person we'll ever hire in a writing job is a person that already works here that's not a writer yet. You're, you're, you're through. That's it. <laughs> you're not getting yeah. in. Because, you know, you, you got to be got a spot. Yeah. yeah. And that wall, I would have violated that wall, of that ethical wall between business and writing, which they try to maintain. So I said, okay, plan A's gone. Can I be the food guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems to work out. Because, you know, I treated it like a, uh, uh, I never tried to sell anybody anything. I don't know how to do that. So I would interview them like it was an article. And people love that. Yeah. So they'd respond to you and. You know, quite frankly, when I was the real estate guy, and this is how I met Donald Trump, 
Oh, you know, I was the Manhattan real estate guy. (laughs) See, uh, you know McKinsey, the famous business consulting group, McKinsey and Company. Yeah, yeah. They go around. They ruined Enron, and I think they're. I don't. I don't think they were very good for the times. But they came in. One of their things is you take young people that you want to promote. I guess I was one of them, and you move them every couple of years. So I was going from one cool job to another, but I saw that there was holes in it, especially at a newspaper where relationships are important. Yeah. If you'd go in, they go, "Where's the other guy? What's going on here?" You know, people were pissed. So it. It. it I don't think it worked well, but it got me a lot of cool gigs. Sounds like it. You know, I'd say, what do I do here? And they go, well, just go around, take people to dinner. Ah, same job, really. <laughs> I got good at this job. <laughs> you ever been to Keens? Oh, a million times. Oh, I love Keens. Yeah, yeah. Keens is before the garden, you always go to Keens. Yeah. And all the pipes up in no, there. The, yeah. It was clay pipes, yeah. Yeah. Keens is a good joint. It's been there a long time, man. Yeah. We Check. used to go there before the Golden Gloves all the time, a group of us. How did, so how did it come out with uh, Donald Trump? Well, he was my first luncheon when I was the Manhattan guy. Went to the water club. He wanted page one and two in the real estate section because he was opening a big building on the east side. What's that run? Oh, back then, probably 120000 for both pages. Wasn't yeah. that much. Maybe more. I forget now. <sighs> probably probably 80000 a page, but he was on contract. You know, you know. Right. But anyway, he's getting it. We all know he's getting it. Sure. And it's the way we work, but we don't put it in writing because there's reasons. Uh, something could happen, plane crash, assassination, the paper gets all wound up. And then, you know, a guy like him is going to want his money back and double his space and all that shit because he's always going to cheat you. Yeah. So we go to this lunch. He's got four guys. I'm the lowest guy at the luncheon on our team. We got this Marine Corps guy that's ahead who's scary, tough guy, <laughs> MP in the Marines. He breaks up Marine fights. And Jack, and he's sitting there, and we sit down, and Trump goes, am I getting two and three? Am I getting two and three? And he says, um, well, we're going to work with you on it. That's a, your standard answer. We'll yeah. work with you. He goes, well, I want it in writing today. He goes, no, you're not going to get it in writing, Donald. You're just not going to. We don't do that. But, you know, we're going to work with you. You know, yeah. kind of winking. You know. <laughs> Everybody's getting it but him. <laughs> so he asked about six times. That we don't even, we haven't even ordered yet. And Jack is nobody you want to f- mess with. So he looked at him, and he, honestly, God, he said, if you ask me that fucking question one more time, Donald, you'll never advertise in this newspaper as long as I'm alive, and I can do that. <laughs> Trump put his head down. I thought he was going to cry. Uh-huh. And what year, what year is this? 84. So this is pre-USFL Trump, where he's kind of... Yeah. He was yeah. in the tabloids a lot. Yeah, though. yeah, so yeah. you kind of knew him. He was just this guy. I don't know. Right. You know? He just like... Put his name on everything. So, you know, and now he's, like, crippled, and, and Jack looks at you, you will cry. Really? I mean, he was kind of my mentor, but when I tried to move into the other department, he's the guy that called me in and said, shut the door. And I went, oh, oh. not a good day for me. <laughs> <laughs> but he was really, a, he was, you know, a real tough guy, and Don's just a bully. So Donald turned to the waitress, berated her a little bit because he had to get a piece. Yeah. And we're all I'm thinking, this is bizarre, but it's cool theater. <laughs> This is fun. And, and that really- We aimed two and three. There was no issue. I walked out. I said, there was no issue. What was all this bullshit? Was, you know, he just- Drama. He doesn't get it. And he likes the drama. Oh, he loves the drama. Stomps yeah. his feet. So there was a bunch. It was five of us, four of them. We were all there. And then I saw him a few more times. But he, uh, the other realtors did not like him. 
because he said that they were all stupid and they didn't do it right and he was going to change things. Well, it's a building. You hire a brick guy, you get the land, you know. I mean, yeah. not a lot you can change except put a lot of gold shit in that no one wants. You know, he bought that airline and he put gold t- toilets in on a commuter airline. You don't even go to the bathroom in an hour flight. No. <laughs> and who wants a heavy toilet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's fuel cost. I mean, that went bankrupt in nine months. Of course. He's just, he's, you know, he's just, I don't know. You think it's coming to the end there? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I'm going to go down and see him and say, hey, you remember me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I have a thing for him. I could, I could make him a great president. You know, he wakes up the day after, how the, how the fuck the day after Christmas, and he goes, I had a dream last night. Oh, yeah. And I want that one's been to used. be kinder and better to everyone. I, I have been wrong. Yeah. You think that would work? I could convince him, I think. Yeah. You know, I'd say Donald Trump is the king of the yeah. ring. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I, you know, I think he brings can... Barack in and Hillary. Yeah. yeah. And maybe a Saudi Arabian dude. They'd have no choice. <laughs> yeah. What if they said no? You think they'd say no to him? <laughs> I don't think Hillary <laughs> they would. They wouldn't even give him. <laughs> I think Barack might. I think he has a little. I don't yeah, know. I think he would. Hillary just, she likes she likes all that shit, too. She oh. wants, she wants is, power. Is it, is it funny for you, 78 in New York, to see Trump grow up? To see him become the fucking president. Oh, God, yeah. Could you believe it? Well, when he, when he was running, I thought, this this looks like he might get because the nomination. You, because I never you, thought he'd win. Because you were familiar with him because of his branding. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's all, what all like, it is. Like yeah. you said, his name He's on He's a sales everything. guy. Yeah. You know those Trump buildings on the west side? He, he gets like 2% royalties on his name. He doesn't own any of those Right. Actual apartments or anything. Billy Fickner lived in one of those buildings. Yeah. That was a nice bed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He lives well. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't it where, uh, doesn't Pat Kane live in uh, Trump Tower? Yeah, in, in Chicago, yeah. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, 88 lives uh, Of there. course, Pat Kane. He's <laughs> something, huh? Unbelievable. So, uh, in New York, you ever been to the wetlands in New York? Is that on the west side? It's closed now. Used to be a bar, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was there once, I think. Now, those are the neat places that are gone from the oh, city Oh, they're all gone. It's terrible. They're all closing. What were your what were your? I mean, Sardi's was my hangout. I hate to oh, say Oh, okay. I, there's a drink. If you go to the second floor and you order a Kevin Cox cocktail, you'll get my drink. What is it? I spent thousands of dollars in there to get that brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a Cape Codder with seltzer on the top. Very oh simple. yeah, simple, just like me. <laughs> it's it's good for the holidays. It sounds it's delicious. We used to go there probably three nights a week and uh, hang out because it was a cool hang. And uh, these tourists would come in, and one of my friends said, that, uh, "This lady from Texas said, uh, well, what are you guys all drinking?'" And he said, "It's a Kevin Cox cocktail." <laughs> and so it was a joke. And she said, "Who's he?" She goes, "He goes, who's he? Where have you been?" <laughs> And he makes up all this bullshit. And then he turns and she goes, you're lucky tonight because here he is. And I went, ah, no. So I signed their playbills. <laughs> what were you in? Oh, shit. Lots of stuff. <laughs> and then it became a thing. Oh, Kevin Cox cocktail. 
all those years in New York, you you probably seen great plays. What what's the best play you probably seen? Because <gasps> you're a play guy. You you're always I, when I called you. You know what I saw the vertical hour, but I did see in one week I saw three great plays. The real thing with Glenn Close, Jeremy Irons, fantastic play. Then the next night I went and saw, first time I ever saw John Malkovich in a play called Burn This. Okay. And he set the place on fire. I mean, it was just, he came really? out and you were going, well, who is this dude? And then the very next day I saw Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It was, it was a great week. Now, which one did you see? What year is I, this? That's, uh, that would have been 86. That was the first one. Oh, so you've seen legit. With Joe, what's his name, was on TV now. Uh, Pacino plays the role in the movie. Where he sells the guy the land in the yeah, Chinese yeah, yeah, restaurant. Because yeah, yeah. on stage, they, they sit him on each end of the stage. Yeah. And it's empty. And he just goes, oh, Florida? Bullshit? And he slowly <laughs> moves and takes all his money. It was beautiful, beautiful yeah. scene. Anybody, if you could ever, the movie's good, but if you could ever see the play, that, you, you have to see the play, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. I, 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 if you see the play and then the movie, I, I didn't like the movie whole. It, it was good. Right. And the Baldwin part was added. Oh, yeah. He was just that, a voice on the phone. Yeah. Although he's great in the movie. I mean, the steak lives. Brilliant. Who's ever going to forget that? Could be another character. Is Baldwin a character actor? He really was. I th- they yeah. tried to make him a leading actor, but I don't it know why. It didn't work. I, I don't know yeah, why. I'd say he was, right? Yeah. Maybe he's like... I a- saw The Lion King the opening night, which was probably the biggest opening night up until then in New York. Because I had, I had started a magazine called uh, New York City Life with this woman that had this idea, and I was the publisher. We had no money, no staff, and it, it lasted two copies. But the first copy... The Lion King opened in the Victory Theater, was just built. It was the first play in it. So we did a big uh, interview with the people that built it, did pictures for our first magazine. So uh, I sent over hundreds of copies. They were lining the theater, and they sent us two tickets. We didn't, I had no idea what it was. Yeah. When we got there, the Disney guys are like an army. The headsets on, they had different colored rugs for who you were celebrities, regular people. Press. Media. We were media. And I went with the editor and we got in and we were in the third row. And this is huge. And I, we, we were turning around, we're looking in, and there's oh, the governor of Texas. And, uh, An- Angela Bassett sat behind me. I got to talk to her, kind of, but you know, it's intimidating. <laughs> and I said to her, we, we should turn around. She goes, Why? I said, We're the only ones looking. <laughs> <laughs> we're, the, we're the only not famous people yeah. in this whole building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to the after party. Here's a cool little thing. Eisner, the head of Disney, oh yeah, has a little bald spot here. Uh huh. No, he's always surrounded by these dudes that are his vice presidents or something. They all have identical bald spots. Really? Did he yeah, get I was up purpose? above in this club, and I went, "Oh, they must get a cut like that, <laughs> <laughs> just to kiss his ass." <laughs> I mean, holy shit. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Oh my Unless God. you gave me $5 million. <laughs> That's my price to get a bald spot cut into my head. That is <laughs> to look like my boss. Are you hip to the new new stuff? Do you like Hamilton? Do you go see Hamilton? I my wife a, loved it. I'm going, uh, yeah, I want to see it because everybody I know, whether they go to theater or not, but even the real theater snobs, because some, sometimes Broadway is, yeah. you know, some of the New York actors are like, hey, what are you going to Broadway for? You know, there's so much other, you know, and there is. All of them went to see it, and they all came out saying, I can't believe it. So I really? thought, wow, even even the snobs? 
right. digging it. So I read Hamilton the same time as Lynn Manuel because I read a lot of biographies. So my line is, no one ever laughs in New York. Whenever we're with a bunch of actors, Hamilton comes up, and I'll say, you know, I read the book the same time as him, and I, I'm a procrastinator, but I had the same idea. Why not a hip-hop musical about the Revolutionary War? And everybody just <laughs> stares at me. I'm going, it's a fucking joke. I'm not a hip-hop dude. I didn't think that. <laughs> But it, it just doesn't work. I thought it was a good one. You, Book, Book of Mormon was great. Wasn't oh. my thing. No, was it, I, 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 I don't know. I, I was in. A, I, I don't think I was in a good place at the time. Yeah. I, I'm more of a one man show. I, Colin Quinn did the New York City. Uh, I saw Dennis Leary do his first uh, can, "Cancer Won't Kill You." He a, stole it from Bill Hicks. I, somebody said that once. Oh yeah, it was hilarious. Leary's a thief. Uh, you heard it here. Mark. Th- they're all thieves. I like them. <laughs> I saw I saw what's his name uh, the bald English actor he's president of uh, he's the head of the enterprise on the new one Patrick Stewart. Stewart yes Sir Patrick Stewart he no, did a one man show on Broadway he did the whole Christmas Carol yeah yeah that was cool I'm a, I just saw James Earl Jones and Jessica Tandy three years ago and it was terrible because when I go to New York I get in early on the train I always take the train because you can read and write Right. And I get there, you can't read and write on a plane? Well, you get nine hours on the train. The oh, plane, okay. You know, I see. You walk I around. See what you, mean. you got your stuff. <laughs> so I get off at Penn Station. I go right to the Twin Pubs, the, the cop bar on Ninth Avenue, where I know everybody. And I hang there for a while. Then I go to Sardi's and I hang there for a while. And then I see some friends, you know, try to get groups, so you, you know. And a friend of mine came and he said, I got tickets to the gin game with James Earl Jones and Jessica Tandy. I, front row, uh, fifth row, middle. So I said, oh, yeah, I'm in. But I've been drinking all day. <laughs> so we went, and I am exhausted. I've been dragging a suitcase, and I fell asleep, and I was snoring. And he kept elbowing me. And I looked up at one point, point. I think James Earl Jones was like, who is that son of a bitch? Because I'm, <laughs> like, I could not keep my eyes open. So I had to leave. It was terrible. Should have took a flight. <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible play. Who is he? I think he is. Yeah. The punk crazy scene in the mid-80s, late-90s. No, I, I was never much of you a never punk guy, but I went to CBGB's a couple of times because yeah. my fr- friends were into it. You know, and the, and the East Village was, you know, it was dangerous. It was fun to go to. It really was, wasn't it? Yeah, I had a friend, Debbie, lived there, and I uh, went to visit her once and walked into this tenement, Avenue C, back then. It was, you know, I, I don't even know why I was there. Um, I think I was paying her rent. She's an old friend. But I walked in, and there was a guy standing there in her hall, and he had a pistol in his hand. He was just standing against the wall. And I thought, well, here's my thing with that kind of never engage them, but don't look away either. So you just go, hey, yeah, what's up? How you doing? And you walk by, but then you got that feeling, oh, don't shoot me in the back. <laughs> you know, that's that's the worst. But I got in, and he was gone later. <laughs> I guess he did his killing. <laughs> yeah, that that there used to be a bar with a clock outside called the radio bar. But I used to st- hang around 7th and 2nd a lot, where all the little Russian, uh, the Kiev and all those little Russian bars and diners are. Love Saves the Day, that Madonna movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, above there, I I used to hang out in that apartment quite a bit. Well, what's Kevin Cox doing at that time? I can't really say. <laughs> <laughs>
not in that apartment. <laughs> so when you come back to Buffalo periodically, what do you think? What do you think of the neighborhood? How it's how it's been the last twenty years? Let's say. Well, I I didn't think South Buffalo changed a whole lot. No, but I see it's changing now. Yeah, I, I don't know if it can change, but Buffalo itself is like crazy. We're doing pretty good, huh? Oh man! Every night there's something to do. I mean, last night I went to that Imagine Center, which is, uh, and I heard the best jazz I've ever heard. And I went to jazz in New York all the time. These guys are as good as anybody. Really? I mean, Bobby Mattel has played with uh, Miles Davis. I mean, he yeah, he used to play in New York all the time. And that guy, oh my God, and George Caldwell, holy crap! He he, you know, it's his group, and he plays that piano he's in Coldbrook really oh yeah and his wife is too it, it's amazing how my, going back to Coldbrook almost everybody's from Buffalo I heard something 74 percent or something of the actors. oh I'm sure yeah there's a big crowd scene in the beginning there's about a I bet 80 people in this room it's a, a dinner and they're honoring Kim Coates and Bill for being heroes in this little weird campus incident mm. Where this guy is seen in the museum, and they chase him, and they get the kids. And you, you kids are going to be safe, and some kid films it, and that's kind of the movie in a way. It, it goes viral, so they're they're on the news. Oh, that guy for Channel, um, he plays a reporter, and says, "Well, oh, Dave McKinley, yes, the guy with the glasses, yeah." Oh, and he yeah. said, uh, "You know, today our feel-good story is uh, two janitors, custodians." You know, and he tells the story, and they show the and Fickner and Kim are going, "What?" You know, yeah, <laughs> and it kind of begins this uh, bizarre, ghostly story. There's a, a little bit of a ghost in it, a little bit about slavery. So there's some some really interesting stuff in it. There's a shipwreck scene that the other night he asked for questions, and I said, "You got to tell him how you filmed that scene." Because when I first saw it in Woodstock, where I met Louis, drank wine with him all night. Oh yeah, we oh, could throw him back. Oh, we were having, we were laughing. <laughs> it was after the show. We went to this big farm. Oh man, that was a blast. Well, because I I asked Louis, I go, "You know Kevin Cox?" And he goes, "No, I don't think so." And then like three days later, he goes, "I met your buddy Kevin Cox. You'll have fun with him." <laughs> I just saw him the other night. You know, I was in the recreation of The Last Waltz at Babeville. You heard about this? This is the second uh, yeah, year? Yeah. So I'm in it. What do you do? I play Lawrence Ferlinghetti, the poet. Oh, okay. And he reads this weird Our Father poem in uh -huh. the middle between uh, Van Morrison and Dylan. And everybody's in costume. So last year I was in Philadelphia. I'm looking at these. I go, oh, man, everybody's so serious about this. So I asked my girlfriend, I said, we got to make a beard. I can't just put a cheap one on. So we figured it out, took hours, and I made a beard. So I show up in costume with a hat, beard, and this costume on. I do my thing, and then I see people from the show, and I go, hey, man, wasn't that fun? Because green room, everybody's jamming, we're playing yeah. guitars. And they look at me, and they go, oh, yeah. Uh. Then I realized that they, they don't know me. I have a full beard on him. <laughs> <laughs> so this year, this guy came from Fredonia, who I knew very well. And I'm hugging, we're talking, how's Franny doing? You know, we're doing all that crap backstage. So I see him about two weeks later, and I walk up to him and go, dude. And I give him a big hug, and he goes, uh, yeah, well, hmm. you know. Like, <laughs> like, who are you? And I'm thinking, well, why is he being so cold? And I'm at the bar, and I went, oh. 
I went over and I said, I was the guy with the beard, man. He goes, oh, oh I thought it was real. <laughs> so nobody knows that I'm that guy. I know Billy Billy Brown. Billy Brown went to it. Yeah, we'll have to ask him about it. Uh, well, Jeff Meyer said it's going to be Buffalo's new holiday tradition. Really? Really? Because it's fifty dollars a ticket and it sells out in an hour. What do you think of Myers? Because you're, you're, I like Jeff. Yeah. I think he's a good writer. I think some of his essay pieces about music, like country music, he did that bro country piece last year. He's he's an encyclopedia. I like him. He likes a lot of movies. You know, I'm pretty. You know, I don't like, I don't listen to a lot of new. I listen to classical all day. And in the yeah. car, I listen to rock. Right. <laughs> and then now this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm taping it. My, <laughs> ma, mom. Mom. <laughs> Which, where's the button? <laughs> She's got the vacuum cleaner out looking for me. <laughs> What's new on the horizon for uh, Kevin Cox? I don't you know. Got, you, you got the. I'm writing some reviews for buffalovibe.com. Oh, we were just in, on Buffalo Vibe. You were? Yeah. yeah. License to shine. Mar- Marcy, right? Sure. The publisher. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I no met idea. her and I wrote two uh, theater reviews: the Strudel Lady and something else. Strudel Lady. Uh, it, 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 it sounds stupid, <laughs> but it was at the uh, Jewish Repertory Theater, and it was fantastic. I'll definitely check out Kevin Cox at uh, Buffalo Vibe. I didn't know that. Look at this connection, Marky. Yeah, Paul Crowley uh, wrote a, a nice article about us. Oh, really? Paul's like a freelance guy for them. How many? Days. How many people are listening? Eh, we, Hard enough. Say. Well, yeah. Analytics is tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm we're, a, we're I'm not on a li- radio show occasionally in Vermont, but they only have twelve listeners. Yes, yeah, you were. Oh. <laughs> we're not live. Well, when it's on, I'll put it on my Facebook to listen. I got oh, yeah, yeah. We're on Facebook and all that jazz. I got some followers. Yeah, chef, Chef's our social media guy over I'm here. I'm very political Kevin. on Facebook. I'm going to slow down a little, though. Well, so now that's funny you say that because this Uh-oh. show started with a guy named Earl. Earl. Are, can we go into this? I mean, I, he said we made him sound like an idiot, but I said nobody called you an asshole, so we won. Yeah. But he he's one of these guys after the last election, he got really wrapped up in the politics and he could have given a fuck before that. And right. you know you know yeah. who I'm talking about. A lot of people like a that. A lot of people. Probably half of America. Now. I mean, I worked for uh, uh Eugene McCarthy in high school. Yeah. I've always been, you know, you got to do something, you're supposed to. So, it, it's it's tough now where like, I worked for Dukakis and Bush. Oh, you what? played your in cards Manhattan. Right? I went to the caucus and it was a mess. You know, they they didn't. I, I'm with two senior vice president of Atlantic Records. We are we're, we know what we're doing, and they they gave us paper shuffling. We went, Did you see what these guys do for a living? You know, so I said, let's go down to Bush headquarters. We went down there and they they got us real gigs. And oh, I yeah. went, mm, Bush is winning this one. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> the caucus just you know the organization was it sucked. Wow, politics is a dirty game, Kevin Cox. Yes, yeah. Even with the the the, the Bush one, yeah, with that Willie Horton crap. But you know, he was a decent guy. He was an old generation of patriots. We, I didn't agree with half the crap he did, but I thought I respected him. We've had politicians ask, you know, ask us. You got Higgins on? No, we don't know if we want to go into politics. Oh, yeah. 
You got any advice for us, yeah. uh, old no, savvy stay, media I'd guy? Stay, I'd stay away from it. Stay away? Yeah, go with these characters like me. You know, yeah, yeah that's characters. what I think, no, too. I really do. stories to tell. Sorry, Paul Dystra. When Fichtner comes back, we'll get him on. So or Kim Coates, he'd be fun. Oh, oh well, he's full of piss Goon. and vinegar, isn't he? Goon, baby. A, yeah, he's a cool dude, though. He was the youngest Hamlet at uh, the, the Canadian uh, play festival, the Shaw. Okay. He was the youngest Hamlet ever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's done some stuff. Because I, I, on TV the other day, I thought I should Google him because he's the he's the hired assassin, supposed to kill this little kid, and uh, uh, it's one of those Grisham things, right? With Tommy Lee Jones, and they got a kid, and he saw something. Yeah. So they got Kim in the diner, and they give him like ten thousand. He's going to go murder the kid. You know, he's got no beard. Then he's going. Ah, I got no problem killing a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like that snaky guy. Uh, he's another one. But he's a maybe, nice guy. Yeah. Maybe a character guy. Well, him and Bill met uh, at Black Hawk Down. Right. And and, and everybody was in there. Oh, everybody. And no one got paid for that. What? Yeah. Because they, they wanted to do it real fast. And it was one of the, it was, uh, uh, what's his name? The two brothers. One of them committed suicide. They make all the action movies. Uh, Tony. Uh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So he called around and he said, I'll, I'll pay your flight, I'll, uh, you know, food, hotel, but I want to get this done. I, I, I don't want to worry about money. I promise you down the road, when I have a big movie, you'll be in it. But just come and do this for me. And it's Sam Shepard. I mean, everybody's in this movie. Right. And Bill went, met Kim, and they were, they've were they been best friends ever since. Oh, so that, they're, they're buddies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bill kind of wrote this for him. Because you, you got that vibe. See, the local news covered it pretty good, actually. Yeah. Well, we've been hanging I'll out. Give them, we had, we hung out in Mothers, me, Bill, and Kim, because Mothers was cool. Because if you hang out with those guys in this town, it's awful. You can't get a word in. Everybody wants a picture. Right. They're glomming on them. You got to come and so we, we don't went see in the garden often. of Mothers, and we went way in the back under a tree, so at least we weren't seen. That's and a so good we spot. Could, we could hang. Because Billy, you know, he was on a soap opera, so he's got all that. Oh, yeah, he's oh, got a lot of yeah. young and restless, and that, that's oh, endless man. with these. Oh, you're so handsome. <laughs> yeah. Really? Look at this. Look at this. Look over here. <laughs> no, I had people come up to me. They, they, Kim, they hug him, they bill, and they, 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 oh, you, I know you, you were in that Titanic. <laughs> the Longest Yard, the third remake. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, do you have do you have any advice for anybody who would strive to be an actor or writer? I mean, you're tied. Well, close you know to what people. they say, and it's true. You got to write every day. Okay. Yeah. And even if it's gibberish, you know what I would get? I would get. Oh no. There's a book I got a long time ago from an actor in Manhattan. It's called The Artist Way. You hear it? My friend of mine uses it when he teaches acting in Connecticut. And it tells you how to get your mind going. Like the first thing it says is every day get up and write three pages, anything, and then rip it up and throw it in the garbage and never look at it again. And it'll just get you going. And it's hard because some, oh, that one line, you know, that's the ego. Get rid of it because it it blocks your creativity. And the the whole book has all these things in it. And it gets you going. I I would get that book. Louis told us. You got to commit. You got to drop everything. Oh, yeah. Commit. We had Cirque Canine. I don't know if you know Cirque. And he 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 went into acting 
and then fell in love with the circus. That's a whole other story. Oh, you got to listen to that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seems like you got to be really, really committed. Well, you know, I wanted to write when I was – I wrote every day in New York, but I was working at the New York Times, and they said, you know, you got the golden handcuffs on. You know what? I'm going to go to Kansas City today to that food show. You know, <laughs> you're, not, you're not committed to the writing. You're having fun yeah. and getting paid yeah. for it. So what was your first gig, like, uh, as a voice actor or an actor or anything? Uh, HBO. Oh, how did you yeah. write to the How'd King of the Ring? That? Uh, I, uh, uh, an actress friend of mine that I used to date, she called me, because everybody always said, you got this voice, voice, and I go, uh, yeah, I don't know what it meant. And she said, they're having an audition down on 23rd Street, this famous voiceover coach, this woman that gets people jobs. And she, I, she, and I said, well, you got to be a SAG actor. She goes, fake it. Give him a fake number and, and get a headshot tonight. Make so I went down to a friend of mine. He gave me headshots. Yep. I went in. I said, oh, I didn't bring my union card. He said, whatever. So I went in, and there were hundreds of people. So I walked in. I read an Oreo commercial and then half of some other script. And she goes, stop. I said, oh, what are you, directing me? And she goes, no, no, you're in. She picked six people. She goes, you're in. I said, but there's like 100 people. She goes, no. You got it. Went, what was the Oreo character? Or, uh, it was just a commercial. You know, yeah. I read, you know, Oreos, you know, and Oreos <laughs> and milk. It's sexy because Lennox Lewis Oreos. eats Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got, you know, I'm at HBO one day because I was kind of consulting on a, I used to do these things where they do the, the media studies, you know, through the double glass. And they have a guy come in and ask him, what do you think about this, that? And I was there. Somebody goes, you got a nice voice. Do you do voiceovers? And I said, yes, I do. But I'd never done one. And they brought me right in, and I did this boxing spot, and they cut a check for 700 bucks. I was there for, and I said, oh, wow, that's a good gig. If I do one of these a day. Yeah. <laughs> I can make it here. And then they kept calling me. I mean, one time they called me. They had a Tyson fight. It was a big fight. He beat the crap out of this guy, but it was six or seven rounds, but they didn't have the audio rights. I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> so they wanted me to redo the audio sort of like the guy. So And it was exciting, so I'm doing it. And at the end, this guy goes, Tyson! So I tried to do that, and they said, you got to go bigger. you got to go real big. Go real big. Just go big. So I went big. And they, I said, we'll play it back. They said, that's Kevin. And I said, what? They, so they play it back. I said, that's the first one. Yeah, play the big one. She said, that's the big one. I said, well, it's no different than the first one. She go, all you do is wave your hands more when you go big. Your voice doesn't change. I went, wow, then there's a lesson. Yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but the voice is the same. You're acting. Yeah, I was acting. Oh, Bill told me that after my second reading, after the sweat thing. And then I read the line, and he turned around, and he said, cut. And he goes, pretty good. He goes, one, one piece of advice. I said, what, Bill? He goes, stop acting. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got it right after that. <laughs> He's a good director. Be yourself. Yeah. It's amazing. We didn't know we had the, the voice of HBO boxing no, coming by today. Oscar De La Hoya. He has Olympic gold. <laughs> And that's the voice they want, yeah. which was another stupid thing. They should have had a woman do it once in a while. You know, if you want the people, you have to talk like the people you want, not just the guys that are boxing. We're all boxing guys. We we'll like, always watch boxing. I like the voice. Right. It sells yeah. me. Roy Jones Jr. He fights like a rooster. <laughs> <laughs>
All day. You'll get me all day. <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Kev, did you ever get any uh, voiceover work for a product that you just absolutely didn't stand behind? Uh, no. I never did. Pro- I did a lot of movie. Uh, I did Sopranos, stuff like that, but I never did a product thing. Uh, only Sopranos. in the practice ones. Louie was in Sopranos. Yeah, Louie was in Sopranos. That's right. Yeah. I had a few friends in Sopranos. You know, David Proval. Oh, yeah, yeah. Richie. Yeah, Richie O'Brien. He's one of Bill and Sal. And yeah, he's another one. Friends. Yeah, he's been in everything, but The Sopranos made him famous. You think so? Oh, I ran into him. He goes, I finally got famous. Because <laughs> nobody really knows him. Cause, yeah, because he's just that guy, that that, that crooked-nosed guy. That, you know. he, he's the best storyteller you'll ever know. Really? Wow. Yeah, we used to go and watch football at my friend Sal's, Dave, Sal, sometimes Billy. And hang out on a Sunday, and David would tell these stories, and he told a story about Eddie Murphy once that I thought, well, maybe that's true. And then I saw Eddie Murphy on that uh, actor's studio. Yeah, yeah. And at the very end, he goes, I want to do something. And they put a big picture of David up, and he goes, without this guy, I don't have a career. And I went, ah. And he kind of told the story that I had heard 25 years ago. And I went, all of that was true. Because he was on the set of... um, that first movie he ever did, uh, Nick Nolte, the oh. cop, he's in the jail, Roxanne. 48, 48 hours. Yeah. yeah. But he's freezing on the set. He's never been on a movie set. So they called David, who's a pretty well-known actor, coach. And he goes, I don't know who this kid is. That, he, that's how he talks. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this kid, Eddie Murphy? Well, we're on this shithead. You know? <laughs> so they gave him like $1,000. Eddie Murphy came to his house with an entourage. He opened the door, he goes, kid. Who are these fucking shitheads? And he goes, come back later, alone. I don't work. You know, that's how right. he treated him. So he came in, he got him going. They call him a set. They go, you got to come to the set. He goes, well, I, I get 8000 a day to come to a set. So he's ratcheting it up slowly. And he's told his story. And then Eddie tells the story. Because he went there, Roxanne, he told him, put your headphones on, relax. So he's singing one day. He's on the set. He goes, shoot him now. So that Roxanne scene wasn't even in the script. Oh, okay. So, you know. When he's on the bus, yeah. yeah. No, in the cell. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the cell, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking oh. of the sequel. So, yeah, you know, yeah. David's, like, crazy cool. And John Hurd was on that show. Do you know him? Famous leading man from the uh, 80s, oh, late yeah. 70s. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. He yeah, played yeah. a cop on The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an old friend of mine from Vermont. And I actually wanted him to be in this terrorism movie. And then he died. Yeah. Because he would have been good as the the main guy, but. Yeah. So you're always actively thinking of actors to fit in. Well, I, when I write it, I think of my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, uh, you, you watch Sons of Anarchy? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. the guy without the thumbs It's in the clubhouse? Yep. That's one of our oldest friends, Michael Ornstein. And uh, I'd put him in anything, that guy. He's, he's the best of everybody. There's a lot of good actors on that show. Yeah, it, oh. it's another character actor show. That guy was in Home Alone. Heard? Oh yeah, John Heard. Yeah, yeah he was the yeah. father. Oh my, Mr. McKelsey. He was so Come mad on. about that. <laughs> he was Just, so mad about being famous a... for that role because yeah. he was like a leading man for years. And then he always played that That's dirty cop. Yeah, yeah. Always a. Dirty he's a good cop. guy. Yeah, we went to a wedding together in Vermont once. My nephew's wedding, and he's good friends with all of them. And he's a good guy. God Sorry to him. deviate. I just wanted to no. talk about Home Alone. Hey, anytime you want to bring up Mr. McAllister, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> I worked at the Sportsman's Tavern a few years ago when they were building it. And it's maybe boring, but I love that place. Oh, yeah, no, no. That's great. And I didn't know anybody in Buffalo, really, except my cousins and 
because I've been gone 30 years. Right. So I worked there, and I met everybody in Buffalo. Yeah. You know, and, and to see them build it, put the iron around it, and the balconies, and, you know, Dwayne, uh, the owner, I said, I need some cash. He goes, just come in here and do something every day because he's going to need help. Mm-hmm. So I worked in the kitchen, and bartended, waited tables. I mean, the first time I waited on a table, I thought, God, I used to work at the Times. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, what the hell? All work's cool. Yeah. You're talking <laughs> to three guys shit. that work, waited tables. For, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and actually the cash was cool. Absolutely. I always yeah. paid my taxes. Just want everybody to know that. I never cheated. None of us have. <laughs> this summer, the That's IRS kind of why I'm here, fellas. Kevin Cox. <laughs> I am here from the IRA. Well, Kev... It, it, it's been hey, a thanks, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Um, I keep thinking of um, uh, <laughs> I don't know why it's the Saturday nights, you know, sweaty balls and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. because of how we're set up. I don't know why. You know, yeah, I, NPR. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so sweet. <laughs> we try and make you comfortable. Yeah. You know? well, a couple more beers, we'll be all right. I think we we're just scratching the surface here. I think you got a lot more to tell, you know, but... Uh, yeah. uh, some things you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be organic, you know. I well, mean, I came here once. I took uh, a, a pretty big guy out because it was food. I used to come here once a year on the Times Dime. Sorry, New York Times. And take everybody in my family out to dinner and, you mm-hmm. know, rich products Sorrento cheese, which I delivered cheese for in college. <laughs> so I'd say, cover me on this. You know, I'm taking my family out. So, it, but, but I, I went to some restaurant here, and I, 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 it was a business lunch, and it was like $16. <laughs> so I said to the waitress, can we buy wine from you? Because I can't put this through in New York. Yeah. They're going to go, wait, are you crazy? So we, I, I got the guy like 10 bottles of wine, and I pumped it up to about 140. I said, take them home. <laughs> You helped them out. It's supporting local. And I thought, you support you local. Big, you own support a big food local. company. You, yeah. you couldn't give me a couple back? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Be on the lookout for Colebrook, yep. star, starring uh, Kim Coates, Louis Mastello, with Kevin Cox, directed by Billy Fichter, and living life to the fullest, Marky. Uh, yeah. Kevin Cox, you are now licensed to talk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much cool. for coming. Thanks, yeah. Kevin. Thanks, really guys. appreciate it. This has been Licensed to Talk. Follow us on Twitter at JC is L2T, Instagram, Licensed to Talk, and subscribe on YouTube at Licensed to Talk.